Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning. How are we this morning? Who's good? Who's happy to be in church this morning? Who loves being in church on Resurrection Sunday? It's always a, uh, it's a good day uh, to be in church, whether you're joining us online or whether you're here in the room. It's uh, great to come to, together to, uh, to worship Jesus on any Sunday, but today's a special day. Today's the day we remember 2,000 years ago that some women went to a tomb to anoint Jesus' dead body. But when they got there, the stone was rolled away and his body was missing and some angels appeared and said, why? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. It's good news. Jesus is alive. And he's alive forevermore. And as I've been praying about this Easter season for us as a church, the big prayer that's been in my heart is that we would be a people that truly do give King Jesus all glory, honour and praise. That we would be a people that find a new joy in praise, a new surrender in worship. Anyone agree? with that prayer this morning. Come on, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we remember what happened on this cataclysmic morning 2,000 years ago, God, would you renew our minds? God, would you restore our joy? God, would you fill our hearts with worship? May we truly lift you up, Lord Jesus, and give you the highest praise. In your name I pray. Amen. There's been lots of different kings throughout history. Jesus is not the only king that has uh, been on this earth and walked on this earth. There's been many different kings through history. King David, great king, reigned in Israel for 40 years. And he's a king who loved God. He he loved God. He worshipped God. He loved worshipping God. He was a man after God's own heart. But he was also a king who got famous for lopping off the head of a giant. Doesn't kind of look like a a king in battle up there. But he he was a victorious king on the battlefield. He lopped off a giant's head. King Henry VIII reigned in England for 38 years, and he loved weddings. He got married six times, didn't keep any of his wives for too long, and unfortunately, he too loved lopping off a few heads. King Tupu V reigns in Tonga right now, and he loves wearing skirts, but no one mocks him for it because he's built like a man mountain, and so are all his cousins, and they all look like they could lop your head off at any moment. Queen Elizabeth II reigned over our Commonwealth for 70 years. She too loves wearing skirts, but she really loves her. She loves her corgis. Unfortunately, King Wally reigned over Lang Park for too many years, and he loved bashing the blues, and of course, one of the great kings, Simba, the Lion King, (laughs) reigned over the Pride Lands, and loved the circle of life, and loved a little bit of singing and dancing. Hakuna, Hakuna Matata. Now, Jesus is not the first king but there's never been any other king like Jesus. 
Now, Jesus was uh, not born in a palace, but he was born in a stable. He's not born with worldly wealth or in royal robes. But the thing about Jesus I want you to get this morning, he loved people. He loved you. He loved me. That's why he stepped down from heaven. It's why the king stepped off the throne. And he allowed for a crown of thorns to be squashed upon his head. And he wasn't given a throne to sit on, but he obediently went to a cross to hang on. And his dead body was placed in a tomb. But Jesus is not like any other king. He's a death-defeating king. He's a risen king. He's a living king. He reigns not for 10 years, not for 40 years, but he reigns forevermore. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he's worthy of all glory and honour and praise. Philippians 2 is a passage we've been looking at over this weekend. And it says, He being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, everyone say, therefore. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every time in Scripture there's a therefore, we have to ask the question, what is the therefore for? What is Therefore, for what is it that becomes before the therefore? You see, every time in Scripture there's a therefore, it means that something significant has happened before or something significant has been said before that changes the new reality for all people with faith in God. And so what Paul is saying in this ancient worship song is actually what I just read. It's a a song that the early church sang to remind themselves of what Jesus had done for them when they were going through difficult times. And he's saying, before the therefore, Jesus, King Jesus, stepped down from heaven and was obedient to death on a cross. But because of what happened on this day, nearly 2,000 years ago, there is a new reality for all people who will put their trust in God. This is the way Paul says it. He says, King Jesus, before the therefore, sacrificed himself on a cross. He says Jesus was obedient to death on a cross. It means he could have been disobedient. He he could have turned away from Jerusalem. He could have avoided the pain. But, But he chose that the one who was fully God chose not to keep a hold of his right to divinity. But he laid down his rights and submitted to his father. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he chose, this is a bit you've got to understand this morning. He chose to be obedient to the cross because he chose you, because he loves you. If you've walked in here this morning and you're not entirely sure of the way God feels about you, look to the cross. Look to this cross. You see, if there was any one time in history where God, is, God should have said, look, I've had enough of you sinful people. You know, I've run out of love for you sinful people. It was at the cross. If there was one time in history, it was this moment when Jesus, the King, the divine, perfect Son of God, was actually whipped within an inch of his life. 
and he was prodded with a stick until he could hardly walk, but he was forced to carry a cross that was not his to bear. If there is one time in all of history, one little moment in history where God should have said, you know, I'm not a God of eternal love. You know, my love for you is run out. You know, I got no more love to give you. It was this moment as the one who's flung stars into space, hands were stretched out wide and were nailed to a cross, whose feet were twisted and a nail was put through his legs. As he hung on a cross, he was stripped naked. And it wasn't just the physical pain and the emotional humiliation. But on that cross, Jesus went through a spiritual depravity that you and I will never have to know. You see, on that cross, he took upon himself all of your sin, all of my sin, all of the filth of all mankind. And in that moment, he was separated from his father's love so that you and I, if you have faith in him, will never have to be again. If there was one moment in all of history when God should have said, I've had enough of you, I got no love left for you. It was as Jesus, the perfect son of God, was hanging on a cross carrying all of your sin and all of my sin. But in that moment, the words that came out of his mouth were, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That, my friends, is a steadfast love that never ceases. If you came in here this morning and you're in a little bit of uncertainty about how God feels about you, look at the cross. King Jesus is saying, I love you. He loves you. He did this for you. Because he sacrificed himself willingly on that cross, he was obedient to the cross. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Because he gave the ultimate sacrifice, he laid down his life for you. He's exalted to the highest place. This morning, if you don't know the forgiveness of God through faith in what Jesus done on the cross, you can. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that a little bit later. But there was another word that Jesus said on the cross that's really important for us. And it's really great to have all of your kids in here this morning. And I know some of you and some of your parents are Wordle addicts. And so, come on, put your hands up if you're a Wordle addict. Come on, hands up. Yeah, that's a fair few of you. I've got a Wordle for you kids to solve for me this morning. All right, put it up on the screen. I'll give you a hint. It starts with F. It's another word that Jesus said on the cross, really important word. And my wife, I've never played Wordle in my entire life, but Susan's an addict and she's brilliant. She got two from six the last two days. Put your hands together for Susan, the Wordle champion of the world. So I'm gonna get her to give the first guess. Forsaken. Did Jesus say that on the cross? Put it up. Forsaken. He did say that on the cross, but is it the right word? No, it's not. All right. You kids have a think about what it might be. It does start with F. There is an S in it. Second last letter is E. And there is also an N in the word. Jesus did use the word forsaken on the cross as he's hanging on that cross. He yelled out, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. And buffheads like me have been messing up those words for the last 2,000 years. And it simply means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus was forsaken. Jesus was separated from his Father's love because he loved you so much. He didn't want you to miss out on his love for all of eternity. But it's not the right word. There's one more word. He said, forgive them. He said, why have you forsaken me? There's one more word starting with F, second last letter E. I've got an Easter egg for any kid who knows the answer. Put your hands up if you're under 12. Yo, yell it out. Finished. Finished? 
Who thinks the word might be finished? Let's have a look. Finished. Is that the right word? hey We have a new Wordle champion. Share them with your friends. It's finished. That's a really good word for Jesus to cry out on the cross. Humanity's greatest curse. Sin that separated us from the eternal love of God. As Jesus hung upon that cross, he yelled out, say it with me, it is finished. Because he sacrificed himself on the cross, it says, therefore, he's now seated on a throne. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, the Son is the, uh, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After, everybody say, after after providing purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of his Father in heaven. Exalted to the highest place, he sat down upon a throne. Why? Because his job was finished. It was time to sit down. He'd made the ultimate sacrifice. He's now been lifted to the highest place. And his job is finished. You see, we've all got a choice to make this Easter. You see, one day we're going to stand before the throne. We're going to stand before the throne of Jesus and give account for our sins. And we've got two options. We can either stand before the throne and make excuses, or we can make amends for our own sin, and we can put our trust in our own ability to make up for our sins. A lot of people in our culture today choose that strategy, but it's a poor choice. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. There's nothing else that's going to make up for it. The good news is Jesus took our death for us. It's the good news of Easter. So the better option is when you stand before the throne, to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ who was forsaken so you could be forgiven. That's the good news of the gospel. The finished work of Jesus Christ who was forsaken so you could be forgiven. He sacrificed himself on a cross. He's now seated on a throne because his job is finished. Before the therefore It says he was found in appearance as a man and he humbled himself. King Jesus humbled himself before the crowds. Just think about how humbling, how humiliating it was on the cross. This is what it says in Matthew 27. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, then they knelt in front of him and they somethinged him. I got one more word all for you kids. I'm going to let Susan go first again. I want you to think when you're a teacher in primary school, this happened in the playground a lot. Other kids would teased. Did they tease him? Let's put it up there, have a look. See if it's right. See if she got one from six today. No. But the last two letters are right. This is a word that's a lot like tease, but it's a little bit stronger. E and D are right. Who thinks they know what the missing word might be? As they put a scarlet robe on Jesus, a staff in his hand, a crown of thorns on his head, they got down on their knees and they, they mocked him. Let's have a look. Hey, come on, put your hands together. Someone pass on. There you go. 
They mocked him. It's not much fun being mocked. It doesn't matter how old you get. Nobody enjoys being teased or mocked. Some dimwit a long time ago made up the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, he was a dimwit. And he was obviously never in grade three. Because I remember grade three, little lunch, Troy Hogan <laughs> announced to the whole of North Rocks Primary School, Ellsmore smells more than everybody else does. <laughs> I got called smells more for the next four years. I don't get mocked about my name anymore. These days I get mocked about being born in New South Wales and supporting the Blues. I get mocked about the length of my sermons. I'm going to try and make it a little bit shorter today. And my family mock me about my ear and nose hair. <laughs> Good Friday. I'm just about to get up on stage and speak. And Susan says, you got some really long hairs hanging out of your nose today. She mocked me. A number of years ago, hair stopped growing here and it just started coming out of here in forests. It grows up here, you know, about, about a millimetre a month. It comes out here about a centimetre a day. And these constant grooming. And I get mocked. And some of you in this room have been mocked in such a way that it hurts much, much more. Some of you have been mocked for your ethnicity. Some of you have been mocked for your looks. Some of you have been locked, mocked because of your inabilities or your disabilities. Some of you have been mocked because of your mistakes and people never let you forget it. I just want to give us three reminders about being mocked this Easter. Firstly, there's no place for discrimination or racism or mocking in the church of Jesus Christ. There's no place for it. Secondly, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to just take hold of this this morning. If you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you will be mocked. Jesus actually said it in his most famous sermon. He says this, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and first falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad when you're mocked, because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will be mocked. But thirdly, I want to remind you, you're not being mocked because there's no evidence that Jesus rose from the grave. You are not being mocked because there's no evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. On this day, some women did go and they found an empty tomb. And later in the afternoon, Jesus did appear in his resurrected body and ate a meal with 11 of his closest friends. But they weren't the only people that saw the resurrected Jesus. 500 witnesses saw the risen Jesus in bodily form over six weeks. Those 11 disciples, who we know from other stories, had some significant trouble with courage in the past. When people thought that they stole the body of Jesus to make the resurrection a hoax, they would not deny their testimony. Not one of them would deny their testimony when they were threatened with death, being burnt in boiling oil, being crucified. And they lost their lives because they would not change their testimony that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And a number of weeks later, as the Holy Spirit was poured out, the first 3,000 people in the church were people that six weeks earlier had decided to crucify Jesus. They stood there and they yelled, crucify him. 
But when they heard the gospel and they saw the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ and the church of Christ was born. And over the next 250 years, this little group of people with no power, no wealth, no status in the society, they continued to share the good news of Jesus risen from the dead. And the church of Jesus Christ actually became the dominant religion of the Roman Empire within 250 years. And in the last 200 years here, the church has continued to grow. And there is now a church in every nation in planet Earth. And Jesus is still building his church. You know, here in Australia, you know, we see hundreds of hospitals and schools that have been birthed to honour Jesus' heart for the sick and his heart for kids. And here in this very room... Over the last few decades, thousands of lives have been transformed by the living power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still building his church and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. And today, we're not just here with a thousand or so people in this room, but we're gathering with over two billion followers of Jesus today to worship the resurrected King. You see, you might be mocked for being a follower of Jesus, but it's not because there's no evidence of his resurrection. It's because there's an enemy who does not want people to be saved, who does not want people to be forgiven. You might be called names. You might even be called names for following Jesus. But there is only one name. There is only one name under heaven by which you can be saved. Because there is only one name who went to a cross to forgive your sins and put them to death. And there is only one name who went through death and came out the other side on Easter Sunday. And that name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. The question for us this morning, are you going to bow your knee to Jesus as King, the resurrected King? Are you going to bow your knee now, willingly and joyfully? Or are you going to wait till he comes again as King and do it with remorse and regret? when it's too late. I want to encourage you today. Make the decision today. One day Jesus will come again and he is going to judge the living and the dead and we will stand before his throne. Make the decision to bow your knee now so when he comes again, it's a glorious day, not a regretful day. You see, Jesus humbled himself before the crowds. He was mocked on Friday. But because he went through the grave and came out the other side, he is the one that is now honoured above all. And he's given the right to judge the living and the dead. Choose to bow your knee before it's too late. Paul says, before the therefore, he became a servant. He became the servant of all. Hebrews 2 verse 9, it says, We do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, but he's now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everybody. You see, Jesus served our greatest need. Jesus, as he looked around the world, he served the needs of people. 
He, he fed. He fed the hungry. Multitudes on a hill, big crowds of people bigger than this on a hill and they were hungry. And even though he was tired from preaching for three days, you think my sermons are long? Jesus preached for three days. Even though he was tired from preaching for three days, he served and he fed hungry people. But it wasn't just multitudes, he did it for one. One lonely woman in a crowd been sick for decades and Jesus healed her in a moment and made sure she was welcomed back into community. On the night before he died, knowing that his closest friends were going to abandon him, desert him, betray him even, he got down and he washed their feet. He served their needs. But it's actually on the cross that Jesus served our greatest need. Our greatest enemy is death. And what it says here in Hebrews 2 verse 9 is that Jesus tasted death for everybody. Have you ever tasted something and you didn't like the taste and so you spat it out? My dad used to love steak and kidney. Disgusting. I love steak, but you put it with kidney, it's gross. I just remember putting it in my mouth and the texture of kidney in my mouth, spat it straight back out. I think I went straight to my bedroom as well. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, gross. Spit it back out. The chopped liver, brains, lamb's fry, spit it out. What Jesus did on the cross for us, he served our greatest need. It says that he tasted death for everyone. But what did he do? He spat it out. He said, I don't like the taste of this. He tasted death for you so that you'll never have to taste the reality of death and separation from God forever. That actually the grave, because Jesus overcame the grave, you know, the, the grave is actually a passageway in to the throne room of heaven. He served our greatest need. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head, but he is now crowned with glory and honour. He tasted death for everybody and he didn't like the taste of it. So he spat it out and you'll never have to taste the reality of eternal death. King Jesus served humanity. He took on our greatest enemy. But today we look around the world, we still see the effects of sin. We still see pain. We still see people hungry. We still see people hurting. There's COVID out outbreaks that are affecting businesses and people are losing lives. There's war going on in other parts of the world and there's, there's hardship and there's heartache. And it's easy to look around at all of the pain and the problems in the world and to react like this. One more word, or kids. How have a lot of people reacted when we look at all the pain and the problems in this world? Susan, one more word. Worried. worried. I've seen a lot of worried people. A lot of people fearful of the future. But there is another reaction. There is another way we can respond to all that's going on in the world. And, and it, it kind of feels difficult sometimes to do this. But who thinks they might know? And actually, she, Susan's close. She's given you a big clue. Who uh, I don't think of. What side haven't I gone to? You're over here. Come on. Yell it out. Big, loud voice. Worship, let's see if worship's right. Hey, put your hands together. Come down, run down, buddy. Come and get a couple of eggs. You see, we've got a choice here on this morning, on this uh, Resurrection Sunday. We've got the choice to look around at all the problems in our world and to worry. Or we can choose to worship. 
And I believe that because Jesus served humanity's greatest need, he is worthy of our highest praise. And as we worship him, the craziness of this world actually doesn't cause fear in our hearts in the same way. But we can actually get faith for the future. There's a couple of ways that we can worship the risen Jesus. I was going to just share two of them. We can worship the risen Jesus by serving people in need in the same way that he did. By laying down our lives to feed the hungry, to care for the poor, to welcome the lonely. And I love being part of this church for a bunch of reasons. But one of the reasons is that every week there are many, many people, hundreds of people just finding ways to care for the poor, to feed the hungry, to welcome the lonely. And I'd encourage you, if you want to be part of that, come and join us anytime. We'd love just to, to be a blessing to our community. But we also worship the risen Jesus by singing praises to him. We worship the risen Jesus by serving those in need and by singing his praises. Because he served humanity's greatest need, he will therefore be worshipped for all of eternity. And this is the incredible thing, is that when we worship the risen king, he continues to serve us. When we actually choose to lift him up and worship him, in songs, fear turns into faith. You know, bitterness and unforgiveness can, can become love and forgiveness towards others. He actually serves us and changes our heart. And we've sung some songs of worship today, but the way to know his ongoing healing and hope in our lives is to worship him all year long, every day. And we're just a community of ordinary people here at Gateway who are working out how to do that every week, how to worship Jesus by serving those in need and how to worship Jesus by singing songs of praise. And I pray that as we continue to sing his praises today, that you might know his presence that you might begin to get faith in his healing power. That he might do work in your heart. And I'd encourage you to come back any time, any Sunday, 8, 10 and 6, continue to worship with us. And as Tim said before, I really encourage you to, to get along to Alpha, just to ask any questions you got. But you see, the King of Heaven, he did step down off his throne. He became human. He became like one of us. And he became the servant of all. And he served humanity's greatest need by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. But on the third morning, Jesus had risen from the grave seated in the highest place, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So just one final question for you this morning before we worship Him again. Who's sitting on the throne? Who's sitting on the throne of your life? There's two options. You can either climb up and you can sit on the throne of your own life. You, you can trust in your own ability to make amends for your sin. And you can put all your hope for the future in your own power, your own wisdom, and your own strength. It, it kind of sounds like a good deal to sit on the throne. But you quickly realise that you can't make amends for your own sin. You don't have all the power or the wisdom or the strength or the hope that you need. That a better deal 
is actually to get down off the throne, to bend your knee to Jesus, the risen King, the loving King, the living King, the Lamb who was slain for your sin, the the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, and He has the wisdom you need. He has the strength that you need. He has the hope that you need for the future. And, And as you put your trust in Him, as you worship Him as King, look around the world and fear doesn't have a hold of you anymore because you've got faith that Jesus has overcome our greatest enemy. You've got faith that Jesus will never let you go. He'll never stop loving you. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you haven't yet bowed your knee to Jesus as King and confessed with your tongue that He's Lord and Saviour of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now on Resurrection Sunday. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes, just bow their heads for a moment. If you're here this morning and you know it's just time to get off the throne of your life and to put Jesus on the throne, maybe it's something you did a long time ago, but you've climbed back on that throne. Or maybe it's something you kind of never actually made that decision to do before. And I want to encourage you today, if you make that decision here today, no one will mock you. You're going to be celebrated. People are going to put their hands together and just cheer you on as you make that decision to follow Jesus. Just while every eye is closed and heads bowed, if you're here this morning, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Just putting your faith in Jesus Christ as Saviour from your sins and as the King of your life. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Just raise your hand if you want to pray that prayer on Resurrection Sunday. Just stick it up just so I can see it just for a moment. Bless you. That's awesome. Bless you, mate. Great, great decision. Bless you. Bless you. Awesome. You too. Awesome. Who else this morning? Just say, that's the decision that I'm making. Anybody else? Just give you one more chance. Maybe it's something that you decided a long time ago but you've climbed back on that throne and today's the day to surrender. Just anybody else today? Yeah, right at the back. That's cool. Anybody else? Bless you. I just encourage you this morning. Let's all pray together. Whether you've prayed this prayer a hundred times or whether this is your first time today, come on, let's all declare it with our tongues together. Just pray out loud after me. Father, thank you for always loving me. I'm sorry for the way that I sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. And I ask that you would forgive my sins today. I surrender my life to you, Jesus, as King. Thank you for giving me new life and life eternal. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Come on, put your hands together and just join all the angels of heaven. Worship. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, uh, we'd love to just... uh, give you some resources to help you. Just get started in following Jesus King. If someone doesn't find you with those, please just go to our, uh, our uh, welcome desk out in the foyer. And we just love to give that to you today and to, uh, to bless you. Hey, can we stand together this morning? You know, we've been going through a difficult time in history, but it's not the first time that people have walked through dark times in history. If we go right back to that first early church around the year 90, and there was all sorts of suffering going on around them, people losing jobs and homes and businesses, people losing lives. And they were starting to wonder, is Jesus really on the throne? Does He still have power today? And, And King Jesus gave His best mate John a little glimpse into heaven. And they're looking around heaven 
to see who is worthy to sit upon the throne. And there's only one. There's only one person. There's only one name. There's only one King who is worthy to sit upon the throne. It's the one who was the sacrificial lamb upon the cross. I just want to encourage us as we finish this morning, we do not worship a cross. We do not worship a throne. We worship a person. And He's the only person who's gone through death and come out the other side. He's alive. And this is what's happening. As two, two billion people gather around the world today to worship a risen King, this is what's happening in heaven. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying to him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And all the people fell down and they worshipped the risen King seated on His throne. Let's join with all of heaven this morning and worship the one who's seated on the throne.
on, just lift up a shout of praise to Jesus. Jesus, we declare this morning, we acknowledge with our tongues that you are Lord. You are Lord of all creation. You have been exalted to the highest place and you are worthy of all glory and honour and praise. God, on this Resurrection Sunday, would you fill our hearts with worship? And God, would you fill us with that same power, that same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that you would give us strength and power to serve those in need in our community, to serve those that are in pain, the God that we would walk out of this place and we would walk towards those who need hope, those who need to be welcomed, those who need to be fed, those who need comfort, those who need healing, those who need hope, and that we would be your living presence, your scattered body in this community, bringing healing and hope to people in need. God, fill us afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit to be your people of healing and hope in this hurting community. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.